traffic is kind of bugged. Yeah, there's, uh, I think there's a baseball game. Oh, really? Boston. Boston? Probably. Why is there a team here? How are the things in your factory? My factory's doing fine. <laughs> we, sell, we sell insight. Many have tried. Few have survived. <laughs> Christopher, eh? Christopher, yeah. Come talk about failure. Yeah. <laughs> How about that? Talk I can see it. Mark, 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 so what is the what are the sheet there? You I brought a few notes. Uh, oh uh, no! In case, uh, in case we needed some material. Many Wait, have wait a minute. Here's what we've learned. He, li he listened to at least part of one podcast. <laughs> You're the one. Our numbers are now like. <laughs> <laughs> so how do you guys know each other? We heard a little of this. Make sure your phones are off. Well, uh, Slick Mick taught me everything. I, I got know. the fancy right. board too. Yeah. Well, Christopher was a very active investor in Boston Harbor Angels before. He made the leap to racehorse, race town, race race point, race baiting, race what? point. I didn't make oh, the leap. Baiting. I start. Oh I start. That's a Trump thing. Bad week for that joke. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, there, there. yeah. yeah. Keep no, going. I, do, we don't, I'll go with we, bad week. We do not. We do not mention Trump in here. That bad time. administration. Mm. Mm. Okay. Well, David just did it. Okay. I didn't okay. Say. So it's called going. race point. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so would you consider that a success because it increased your profile? And Ham came over and said, "Hey, you got to be helping me out." Well, yeah. I mean, it was. Uh, we chucked. It, right it in. was. I mean, it was. It was acquired early in its life. You could. You could argue. Ham. Uh, Ham was a mentor, and he was giving me lots of advice, and and it grew pretty quickly. And so it wasn't just me. It was giving him. Oh, oh yeah. Yeah. And uh, and he. Uh, you know, we just. It just made sense to combine forces, and so we just merged it into. Launchpad and uh, really sort of tried to uh, like the next booster rocket on Launchpad. Well, and so you guys are way ahead of us. So who is? Uh, so who are you? Who am I? I'm Christopher Mirabile, and I'm a angel here in Boston. Um, born and raised in the Connecticut Berkshires, but I've been in the Boston area since um, uh, since. 91, I guess. Really? So, good long run. Yeah, 30 years, uh, yeah. 25 years. Yeah. yeah. He's and also an attorney. No way. Well, now, no Mick, way. Can, we, can we edit that out? I'm yeah. fully recovered. I'm fully recovered. <laughs> I, uh, yeah, how long did you practice? I, start, I, I, was, I, I was an English major. And, uh, in, Which um, is very handy in angel investing. It, it yeah. is. It yeah. is. Yeah. Um, you know how you get a English major off your porch, don't you, Mick? Um, no. Pay no, him for no. the pizza. A <laughs> 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 oh, little humor, very little. Okay, keep going. Uh, but I, I went into management consulting in the late '80s when things were really booming. I was with the strategy group at uh, at Price Waterhouse huh. and um, uh, lived in a Marriott hotel in Detroit, Michigan, yep. for 47 weeks in a row. At one point, uh, well, so, who were you working with? Working for General Motors. Yep. Oh, you Perfect. didn't. You, oh, so you saved the the General Motors. Yeah, yeah, I saved General yeah, Motors. You were in or something. Yep, yep. yep. And um, actually, his fingerprints were all over those offices. This was uh, back then. Automation, you know, uh, 
included things like light switches that went off if nobody moved. So I, oh, we were always, wa- after hours, we were always yeah, waving, waving our arms to yeah. try to keep the lights on. But Perot, apparently that had been one of his contributions to General Motors. Mm. But um, so did that for a while. And there were, in the strategy group at Price Waterhouse, there were about a dozen people. And um, 10 of them went back to business school. Two of the black sheep went to law school, and I was one oh, of the ones who yeah. came back to Boston for law so, I mean, school. Wait a second, Price Waterhouse, they knew everything. Yeah. Didn't well, they? They were they so were. So why pretty would good you firm. have to go back to school mm-hmm. if you're already giving advice, the best advice right, available right. to human beings? Borrow their watch and then tell them what time it is. That's how <laughs> consulting works. What did you do at uh, GM? So uh, that was actually a really interesting study. The strategy group sometimes partnered with other groups. Um, they were this was back in the pre Sarbanes Oxley days yes. when the when the big audit we get away with a lot firms. You know, PW had like the blue chip audit yeah. clients, and they were trying to figure yes. out ways to monetize those relationships further. And so the strategy group was basically ex McKinsey people. There were some people from Mac and Monitor and BCG and Bain, but it was mostly McKinsey people. And um, some of our charts looked a little bit like McKinsey formatted yeah. charts too, but uh, so occasionally we partnered. And on that study, we were partnering with PW's manufacturing consulting group, mm-hmm. and we were uh, designing, building a set of performance management um, metrics. That the, the 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 concept behind the study was GM has their strategy, you know, and you could analogize their strategy to a flight plan. Yeah profitable North American market share happened to be the, yeah. the flight plan. What dials should be on their dashboard? And then more importantly, you know, on the cockpit dashboard, yeah. and more importantly, how should they be calculated? So that was what we, for, I think it was 46. Uh, was it 46? like the 737 Max? Max. 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 Yeah, the Max. Hopefully not. These are back in the days of analog dials. I'm sorry. So you're so just to, to bring this a little, slightly down to earth, um, you're saying the GM thought it knew what it did to run a, a company. It knew where it wanted to go. And the question was, how did it, what instruments did it need on the cockpit dashboard to do that, to get there? And so uh, it was seven frames. It was about 46 performance measurements spread across seven things. So things like managing your people, yeah. you know, employee management, all the way over to sort of customer happiness and manufacturing efficiency. And there were a whole bunch of them. And there were some really, really interesting uh, fights, you know. How does this relate to that term KPI, which came up Those, a little the bit? The KPIs after. are the things that go on the uh, the dashboard. Yeah, I'd dash. say that OKRs and KPIs were right. probably the um, uh, objective. Are you about key performance indicators. Yeah, KPI. Oh, sorry. Yeah. Don't be doing acronyms. Yeah. Anyway, you guys threw us with the uh, all the other ones you threw in. <laughs> anyway, keep going. Yeah. So the, the OKRs are what? What's the stand for? Um, objectives and key. Um, we'll call them OKDOKs. MBO. Yeah. yeah. Those were. I think those acronyms are kind of were, were the successors, Enforced the jargon yeah, successors right. to yeah. what we were doing. Performance measurement really came out of the, you know, manage what you measure, you know, era, and and we were really helping. Is that is that lost favor now? Do you think? Well, I think it's probably always been true, right? I mean, wasn't it Drucker who said that? You, yeah. you know, um, it's always been true. And, it, and this was really, I mean, we were doing stuff like um, having arguments around uh, how do you define defects per million? And if you asked us, it was anything that came off the stamping line with a defect. Right. And if you asked the UAW, it was anything that still had a defect after a guy making 18 bucks an hour yeah, had been after it. it with a grinding wheel. Yeah. <laughs> right. Right. So, right. And it turns out that a lot of jobs hang, hung in the balance. 
and a plant, one plant looked more um, looked better than another plant, depending on how you define that. So, so wait a minute. So what's what's odd about this is if you look at the modern modern era where um, where big data and uh, what do you call it, modeling um, mm-hmm. is uh, modeling makes an attempt both to Oh, we're trying to use AI-based models to figure out how to improve, whether it's processes or whatever. Um, but I thought the real challenge now is to figure out what the parameters of the model are. Mm-hmm. And you're saying that was going on back then, before AI, before anything. Yeah. Seems like a backward way to do stuff. Yeah, we I know mean, how to run a business, and this is what we should try to achieve. Yeah, I mean, um, some of the measurements were probably calculated somewhat manually. I mean, the computerization of business sort of started in... Financial planning and analysis, And I didn't right? mean it that way. Yeah. What I mean is it's a kind of weird way to manage a business by saying, we know where we want to go. Mm-hmm. We have no idea how to get there. Let's th- start throwing numbers that's at the fair, wall and very, monitor That's them. on trend right now. Outcomes. You know, there's a whole you know, mode of, of operating all, all around o- outcomes. My friends at Amazon are doing that in the IoT space. Well, maybe this is what AI is then, which is... To, well, that's right. But the, you let's know, see what the computer tells us we should monitor. Is that what it was? So that the, yeah, it was that more, would replace the PwC you know team. Right. Then. So you it was were more sort of. We think we know what the drivers of this business are. Let's build a dashboard for monitoring them. Let's figure out how we're going to calculate and and okay. and track and um, and it was really sort of metrics metric driven management and 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 dashboarding early early days and hmm. uh, there was enough computer power there that it wasn't. This was like late eighties early early 90s so you guys would then um, your team would then come up with a proposed metric and then you'd figure out how to measure the metric and you'd find out how to gather the data you'd throw up on the screen and see if it made things better or worse well yeah it was it was in theory right it was that that involved it was actually we were engaged at a pretty high level I think our stuff was actually presented to Stemple who was the CEO at the time but it was more sort of a McKinsey style uh, study which mean, where which we means? sort of uh, like conceptual top-down what are the categories of things we should pay attention to and within those categories what are the things that are the key drivers and then within each of those key drivers how do you measure it and how do you how do you define it so, so was it empirically driven or theoretically driven uh, both okay <laughs> it was empirical data in a theoretical framework and Sounds so like it, was, it was it was yeah. yeah it was totally I mean except, it was like except for the 47 weeks at, at, at the Newtown area oh, so it was four in, yeah 46 in, in Detroit yeah. I'm a Detroit native he's a Michigan native yeah oh, so, I mean I I, it was like it was like an MBA in yeah. some ways. I mean, I, I did some fascinating. I mean, th- that was a long-term study. Um, I did another study down. Uh, we did a lot of work. One of the partners uh, in the Chicago office where I was based was um, had really cut his teeth in the banking industry, and we were in the transition sort of to the super regionals at that time. And we did a really interesting study for a bank in South Carolina, just talking about. Um, Basically, when you really took their business apart, it was kind of an average-looking business. But when you actually tore it apart, it turned out they were, they were, um, they were awesome at servicing mortgages, but right. they couldn't write a good mortgage to save their life. Right. So we sort of advised them to kind of get out of mortgage origination and just buy portfolios of mortgages to service. And how know? do you discern that? How do you get to that? So it's just a question of teasing the the numbers apart and looking at benchmarking mm-hmm. at the you know um, yeah. the quality of the loans they were underwriting relative to to the industry write offs and and prepayments and all those things that matter in mortgages, and then looking at their 
tools and their um, cost structure for servicing, and it just turned out that they were they had made the right investments in more recently and had the tools to service mortgage as well, and were doing it really cheaply and really dr- driving great customer sat on mortgage servicing, but their underwriting function was terrible. And they were doing a great job servicing a crappy loan portfolio. And so we just sort of got them out of the mortgage origination business. When I say we, I'm talking about the people on the top of the study, not the cannon fodder like myself. Right. It was interesting. So let's back up. This is podcast number... uh, 48. 48, We actually posted 47. We posted 47. And Christopher listened to it, I think. And who is he? And who are you? I'm David Pauzer. And who are you? Uh, I'm Mick Williams. Can I call you Mick? Uh, sure. Okay. You can call Mike. Uh, Siri calls him Mike. It calls him Mike. Mike. I see. Sometimes. And I'm Mark Thurman, <laughs> because we've been chided well, in the past by our two or three listeners that we never introduce ourselves. Well, that's or, why we invited Christopher, because he has a few followers. Well, that's great. So This will be that. probably our most listened to podcast, because I know Christopher has a lot of friends. He's rolling his eyes. He's, yeah, it's just... He left the room. <laughs> he's trying. He's trying to open the window on the fifth floor right now. So can we, we go back though and we find made out? it mandatory at Boston Harbor Angels. We got one. So Christopher, is, he's actually done better. He's actually thrown us off our usual. Well, I know. I just wanted to. You he did know, that on purpose. I, well, that's fine. And sometimes a little format shift is a good thing. Oh yeah, I can't take it. So the of the forty-eight weeks or forty-seven weeks he spent at the Detroit Marriott. He could listen to a podcast every no, week, but how, The question is, it's, it's a very substantial question. It's oh, a, a PW-type question. How many times uh, did you go to Carl's Chop House out of those? Because <laughs> oh. that would be right nearby. I was in Troy, Michigan, the, ah. the, uh, so, which was a, sort of a semi-nice sub- suburb. And we used to go to, was it Houlihan's? It was Yo, one yeah. of those steakhouse yeah. Houlihan's. Yeah. And I used to uh, enjoy knocking back a nice Werner's root beer. Oh, back Werner's. Before, before, I mean, oh, ginger ale. Ginger ale, ginger ale before I in Arbor, so I the, the Verner's, Verner's yeah. ginger ale was, was has now been tamed, but at the time it oh, really? was really yeah, yeah. It's, it's much milder now. At the oh, time it really had very like kick. a yeah, yeah real yeah, hot when they were doing it for the ginger. That's right, ginger ginger absolutely oil. correct. Yeah. Emriel would say they kicked it up a notch. Yeah, yeah it was good or not. It was, it was awesome. So, I, 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 I took us away from substance. Did, to, I had a substantive question, which is. I listen to a podcast called How Things Work or something yeah, like that. Yeah, I That's see the show. Oh, really? Okay. So describe how a management consultant or a management consulting firm, whether it's McKinsey or uh, PwC's consulting arm, how do they work? Technically, we were PWs before, before the, the brand dilution associated oh, with that merger. With, we were, with Cooper's library. It, yeah, we were, we were, was, we were the guys and gals in gray suits, and the Anderson guys and gals were in blue suits. That's eccentric. Yeah. And that was, it was a, yeah, it was a pretty tight, yeah. So uh, I don't know how it works, honestly. Well, I mean, you must have seen some piece of it. You were touching part of the elephant. Um, oh. You know, it's a funny. It's a funny business. First of all, the selling happened at a much much higher oh, level. Yeah, yeah. It was very relationship based yeah. selling, and the yeah. studies were um, typically sort of over promised and under budgeted. You know, and yeah. one of the things we learned pretty quickly was was <laughs> you know like lawyers. how to avoid certain managers. And in fact, yeah. I ended up on the. General Motors uh, study because all of my peers were running and hiding under their desks and and nobody wanted to be on it because it had sort of all of the hallmarks of a study you didn't want to be on right so what would they price them at are they two million five million ten Actually, million it's, it's funny that you you say that I probably it's everybody's dead now so I can probably share this information but at the time GM was sort of in crisis I think they had spent a lot on 
robots that hadn't panned out, manufacturing robots. And, and they're, what year? this would have been like 89 or 90. And we were headed into a recession, but um, and Stemple was somewhat of a turnaround CEO. But in any event, technically, GM's consulting budget was zeroed out at the time. They oh. weren't supposed to spend a, a penny on Sounds consulting. Like a fun project to work on. So we were charging seven hundred and seventy thousand dollars a month. We had fourteen people full time yeah. at GM. So uh, can you do the math, David, for me? Well, it's so an eight million dollar gig, roughly. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It was yeah. a big gig, and it was sold at yeah, a high level, and it was... Can, but okay, yeah. Yeah, and somebody had, um, if, if memory serves, and I'm really Ooh. digging back into the cobwebs here. Um, Iron Chef, if memory serves. Oh. Yeah, uh, if memory <laughs> serves, uh, I, I think that the manufacturing partner had been really instrumental in selling this, but didn't think he could pull it off without the strategy people. So this study was probably uh, there were 14 people and probably eight of them were strategy people and six of them were manufacturing so 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 somebody sells us the gm which is beginning to go down the tubes well no they they were having a hard patch at that time okay so for about a 10 million dollar job and we will come and fix everything what do they sell this this particular job was um, this particular job was you know We'd like a fresh look at our performance oh. measurement system, and and we'd like a we'd like a conceptual do over on how to think about this business and how to measure what matters and use data to drive better decisions. So when so the, and it's we, a bounded statement of work. So mm-hmm. we're gonna do X, Y, and Z for eight, nine million, whatever it is. Ten. Uh, I'm putting my foot down on ten. Yeah, you can take ten uh, in, in Canadian dollars, uh, and they, then not um, worth much yeah. back then. But and, and, the, and the deliverable at the end of the project was uh, was the framework. Was the and framework. with with and so basically, you know, each measure had a two or three page deliverable associated with, it. and it was sort of, you know, there was there was the there was the framework of the seven categories of measures, and then there was each of the, I think there was forty odd measures in in Anything spread across tied to compensation. And um, what was that? <laughs> Was anything tied, tied to, the, to the yeah there was there was uh, there was some stuff around uh, uh, in the employee one about about um, tying results to compensation as I recall um, in any event the uh, the the challenge was the details of how things were going to be calculated and that's what um, that's where all the work went into and all the fighting mm-hmm. went into so at the end of the day or at the end of the time period you hand over the framework mm-hmm. it's, it's all recommend it's not implement is that correct yeah i mean that's typically what happens in consulting is, so is if go. they like what they hear they then hire you back to implement it yeah that's so stuff you I, told us that we need to do we want to do yeah. it so do you when you talk about a dashboard a modern day dashboard often means a screen mm. or a set of screens that display these performance indicators is that what you had in mind I don't. Screen. It, it didn't. <laughs> how it got implemented from an IT yeah. standpoint was had yet to be but determined. But dashboard was just a theoretical concept. But I remember just to just to just to mark where we were in technology terms. Right, nobody had email back then, and um, no I, I remember one of the consultants had like cutting edge technology. He had. Um, the Mac Portable, which was the one that was really the size of a suitcase, and it, and the front edge of it folded yes, up, and it yep. was a black and white LCD, yep. like on a digital watch, and yeah. and then it had all those cooling vents, and it was like, it was I think it might even I think it was um, 
So this would be 89. Yeah, and, and I remember I was working on applying to grad school, and I was getting some help um, with editing my essays, and I was sending them to my, my sister was an editor, and she was helping me, and I was modeming them to her yeah. on a 2400 baud yeah. yeah. modem. Whistle. Yeah, transmitting yeah. text files. So that's where we <laughs> were. Like one of my birds. So probably we had a notion that these things were going to be on, you know, red, yellow, green, or on some kind of but a... But you called it a dashboard anyway, yeah. even though it was in point-of-fact yeah. paper? Was that what was No, it would, have been a, it would have been computerized, but I don't know how slick the graphics But that was the been. notion of a dashboard. Yeah, computerized so your goal to come in and, and predating this back in the day, they would have sent out daily, weekly, and monthly uh, reports uh, of this very same indicators. Yeah, I'm not. I, I, I think there was discussion about where in the organization each measure should live. So, for example, um, uh, manufacturing defects was going to live down in someone whose responsibility for manufacturing and then would maybe get rolled up or inform a higher level metric. So not all 40-odd dials were going to be on the board's dashboard, but the functional heads were going to have some of them you know, on their daily hmm. that they would monitor. Nick's daily. got something witty to say. Uh, I was thinking about time and time. weather. I'm thinking about time and temperature because <laughs> it's starting I, to get a little bit too esoteric. I, I, I could I could see that one coming. Yeah. It's uh, well, almost five are, o'clock. You, you guys are all consultants, after, you know, of, of sorts, and so therefore you understand this stuff. I'm into the more of the fun stuff. What's that? Who got fired? Who got hired? Did how many of your people got hired, and how many people got fired from? GM after your report. Oh, that, <laughs> I don't think that was the nature of his of his. Well, uh, you know, it's funny engagement. You, you say that. Um, so, so I was talking about how we learned to avoid certain studies, and this had all the hallmarks of a study you wanted to avoid because it was scoped incredibly broadly. Mm. It was in a horrible location. Detroit was nothing special in there. And, Easy, I'm um, a Detroit native. And it was a boring old industry. Yeah. And the guy who ran the study was a maniac. He'd sort oh. of been the top of his class at at uh, Wharton, and he was just rumored to just be miserable to work for. And I really liked cars and the car industry, oh, and God. I just thought that the opportunity to work at GM was going to be an incredible opportunity. So all of my colleagues were hiding under desks and avoiding this guy's calls. And I picked up the phone and I called him. His name was Fetzer E. Crockett. They oh, called right. him Fess. Really? And I, brother. I think he yeah. was. Uh, I think he was the son of a um, preacher. Grown, son of a up. preacher man. Yeah. <laughs> Sounds just like a bluegrass song. Dusty Springfield song, right? Yeah. I think he'd grown up in, uh, in Georgia somewhere. And... Uh, and this guy was tough. And I called him up and I said, Fess, uh, I know you're putting together a team for the study at General Motors, and I really want to be on it. And I know a ton about this industry, and here's how I can help you and whatever. And I think the combination of sort of chutzpah and a little bit of knowledge of the industry um, really kind of blew him away. And I think the team was largely set at that point, and he kind of created this role, which really boiled down to Fess's bag man. So we had... Um, we had situations where, um, you know, he we would drive up to Lansing, and either I would drive and he would read materials, or right. he would drive and I would read them. What out would you be doing him. in Lansing? Uh, just capital. visiting no, different plants that. and you know oh. figuring out how things are going to be calculated. Did you stop by the car and driver headquarters in, on Hogback Road? <laughs> I didn't, but I would have. I would have liked yeah. to because okay. that that was yeah. uh, I I grew up reading car and driver oh, yeah, and road and tracks so. around. Yeah. So anyway, uh, so so uh, you know, 
Um, Fess went from being this tremendously feared guy to actually coming to my wedding and vice versa. I went to his as well. Actually, I worked with a a Fess equivalent uh, at my first firm. He was a crotchety guy, great guy, Mm -hmm. Um, same reputation and same thing. Also carried the big heavy computer. Yeah. The, we had the uh, clamshell. What was that? Not clamshell. Remember the old uh, compact? compact? Yes, with yes, the yes. orange screen. The, well, the, the keyboard was yes, on the uh, yes, was the on the end on yeah. the bottom of the Four suitcase. Four fifty five and <laughs> six. Okay, six so what's the answer? Makes a question on who got fired and hired. That is a GM. I think Nick's question is: When this study was well, over, did everyone get fired? Some of your some of your guys, you know, might have landed jobs at GM, and then as a result of your report, some of the guys at GM got the boot. I'm just guessing. Is I that, don't think that was no, the purpose. Not, From what I heard, no, yeah. he was just trying to say, "Here's how, here's, Wait a second. here's how you represent information." <laughs> yeah, it wasn't. It wasn't really that kind of a. We weren't recommending layoffs or He's anything. Not the there were, judge. There were some people who, um, you know, I can't remember which way the argument came out on whether it's a defect that it has to be ground out or not. But clearly, the shop, the the factory with the older presses and the you know the cleanup. If it got calculated that that was a defect, that that guy or gal who ran that plant lost, right? And I can't remember which way it Didn't came out. Did you become a CFO of a company too? I did. Uh, later, no leading the yes. witness. Yeah, <laughs> I did later become a C- CFO. Well, well I'm sorry. So to end this part of the story, whatever happened, you delivered your report, and it was Detroit fixed, or was well, it a failure? Yeah, no, I think I think Verner's is now sold everywhere. It, it well. <laughs> Verner's is not the the beverage it used to be, but uh, so, going, even so if it what is. was the outcome of all this? <laughs> um, so I think the study actually did make an impact and was implemented. I don't. Uh, I wasn't involved. I don't know if the strategy group was involved in implementing it. And probably what happened was that some of something, some stuff got lost in translation. Yeah. But it was presented to the board. There was some question about whether it would, and I think it did uh, have an impact. We were headed into a pretty tough recession, right? Ninety one, ninety two yes, was exactly. a tough recession. Oh. So they probably um, were scrambling a little bit Savings at the and time. Crisis. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Bad. It was a bad scene. And, yeah. and um, when was the bailout? Oh, uh, end of there. Bush, beginning of Obama. I think the yeah. SNL crisis was late '80s, but Clinton well, came SNL into office in '92, and he and Clinton cleaned up. I mean, he inherited a recession, and um, and things were, I think, starting to hop by '94, '95. Halfway through his first term. So you're so after ten million dollars, which is a drop in the bucket for GM. Um, maybe something came out of it. Maybe yeah, I think did. it had an impact. I mean, I think that we probably wouldn't have been happy with how it got implemented or the timeline on which it got implemented, but I think it did have an impact and it did change the way they thought about performance measure. And, you know, a lot of consulting's like that, right? It's um, a little bit of extra budget and and the CEO or somebody has, knows somebody and they just kind of want to bring in some fresh thinking. And even if the thinking doesn't get implemented, it still adds to the debate. Oh, okay. um, and in this case, I think it did. I think it did have an impact. I, I seriously doubt it. Anything they're using now is recognizable. What did you? What did it teach you about failure? Um, in the in the auto industry. Well, I think I think uh, that was a pretty high bound industry, and I was shocked at the. Um, the friction associated with getting anything done. Mm-hmm. Um, just one example, not to not to pick on labor unions, but um, when we showed up, we were fancy consultants when we had Macintosh computers. That guy had a folding one, but most of us just yeah. had the little square ones. And we showed up and we pulled them out of their little bags and we set them up on the desk. 
plugged in the printer and um, went home, came in the next morning to a UAW grievance. Oh, what was that? that they because didn't we had connected the things. And so oh, and they we, had didn't to, get to. we had to disconnect them. And we right. got yelled at for making political waves. We were, you know, whatever. So, right. so we waited and we had to schedule. And I think it was a couple of days. Um, and in fact, I think we took a couple of computers to the hotel because we needed to get some work done. We finally got an appointment for someone from UAW to come over. And we had sort of the equivalent of the mechanic who says, looks like one of them fern jobs, you know. Yeah, right. So, so <laughs> right. we said, oh, well, you know, you see the cable with the little picture yeah. of the printer on it. You want to put it in the port that has a little picture of the printer above it, you know, yeah. and walked them through it. And then the grievance was cleared and we went on. And that was that was really eye opening for me. Um, hmm. The and fact that, that, and that could, continues, by the way, that continued. And I'm not anti or pro or anything union. Just that I remember. You, what do you do with that plug that has a little computer, like a little printer on it? What, do you do something different with it? No, 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 no. But oh, the, okay. uh, the the notion of not violating a union norm. I remember sort of same era. I was in the I was working for a computer manufacturer, and they did a, a large scale uh, industry conference at the Javits Center in New York. And one of the marketing people helping to set up the booth who didn't know any better, someone from California, had the nerve to go plug in the monitors. Mm-hmm. And uh, no one said anything. And that night, because they were still, LC, you know, not LCDs, but they were still, mm. you know. The, they slashed the tires. Oh, the no, they, took, they, took, they took a screwdriver and they popped every monitor screen. Every oh, really? Gla- piece of glass was broken really? in place. Because they dared not have the guy plug the thing in. Mm. So yeah. is that okay? So going, so that's an interesting point. So is the, but you're not pointing fingers at the union. You're just observing. No, I mean I understand. It, it, it was a little bit like walking in on a frog in a pan of hot water. I mean, they, they there was a calcified way of thinking there that um, that you know felt like normal to them, but just seemed. I mean, I, some of the arguments we had around how to calculate things, I just couldn't believe that 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 you you could rationally argue about some of these things that were so they were so sort of obvious and clear and and were those, those particular arguments affected by the union at all or was well sure just, i mean the example of the yeah. example of the, the grinding the one. defect office was yeah. was absolutely kind of a political question oh, yeah. um I wasn't and listening. and um, you know there 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 were there were other ones um you know i mean there were some uh, some great there were some was management equally equally default or was it mostly union Oh, no, no. I don't think it was mostly union. I think that we were, it was the end stage of a long process, many decades of um, attempting to kind of codify what's fair between workers creating value and a management team trying to pay them as little as possible. And so you go through these revisions of contracts over the year and everything has to get codified, right? And so what is a break and how many breaks Uh, and how many minutes? And and it all seemed logical at the time, I'm sure. Every time one of these contracts was negotiated, and then it, so you through a series of incremental very logical steps right. you end up in an utterly illogical place yeah, and right. you can't really figure out how you got there and walk me of a drinking game we had in college we developed over four years and if you walked in at the end you couldn't make any sense of it at all but it made sense that mm-hmm. yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. got to bring it down to a level this, I get yeah this is a, it's a, one of the unfortunate occurrences of your MIT career <laughs> <laughs> okay so what happened to you next so um, you went off to law school. Ten of us went to B school, and two of us went to law school. And I ended up um, taking a really business-focused degree at BC, yep. which I enjoyed. I met my wife there. Met a lot of really great people. It's a fun, fun school as law schools go. Yep. And um, 
uh, ended up at Testa Hurwitz during okay. the, oh. the, the boom years. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, the go 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 years. Yeah. So um, yeah, I got a mute uh, email from Hessen today. Oh, yeah, yeah. Did you? yeah. Oh, I just wow. did. I just did a deal with Hessen. Actually. <laughs> did you really? Okay. Um, he represented uh, Hilltop uh, Biosciences, the equine Not the steakhouse. No, <laughs> the, um, no, the late steakhouse. No, yeah, uh, the big this cow. is the the people fixing big, horses big with allograss. Anyway, uh, yeah. so there was you know Testa in. The mid-late 90s was out of control, as you know, just the venture capital fund formations and the M&A and the private company work and the the IPO work. And so, I mean, it was just uh, nuts, nuts, and and wasn't really for me, to be honest. Um, I mean, it was a a rich, rich learning environment, but um, I didn't, you know... um, I didn't like all the theory. You know, I spent a lot of, remember Bound used to print the red book oh, of yeah. SEC, remember yeah, that big yeah. book of <laughs> SEC rules? And, yeah. and it just yeah. it just felt really abstract. The whole thing was an abstraction um, oh. from actually sort of being involved yeah. in the business. And right. so what ended up happening um, was uh, sort of uh, during the later later part of my second year there, uh, we, we did an IPO yep. for uh, an Irish um, software enterprise software company. They were tax oh. resident based in Ireland. Uh, what was it? Iona Technologies. Yeah. Okay. And actually turned out to be the, the fifth biggest software IPO in history at the time, really? with Netscape having been yeah. the, the fourth. Wow. And um, they were a client, and we took them public um, in February of 97. And the company had never raised any VC yep. and really just sort of didn't have any controls or processes or any kind of, it was, it was just a fast-growing kind of out-of-control company. And it was obvious, um, it was sort of like, congratulations, you're public, here's your new yeah, here's option plan. Yeah. And then it's like, oh, you're holding it upside down. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> you know? So, so how did that work out? So, so it quickly became clear that, that they needed to professionalize their legal function, among yeah. other things. And so I went in-house. Oh. Um, Based where? Uh, well, the company was tax resident and headquartered in Dublin, Ireland, but we had a big uh, headquarters in Wal- ultimately in Waltham. We okay. were in Cambridge at the time. Yep. And I loved that. I did a lot of transactional work, um, really, really found a niche, loved it, much closer to the business, much yeah, more involved sure. in stuff. And what ended up happening is, to keep the story really short, um, oh, we, we were past that. We were way past there, but I, I created a fair amount of responsibility over the years, ended up as a general counsel, and then ultimately took over as a CFO. Oh, that's fine. And then, and then sold uh, the company in an unbelievable story about failure, which I'm happy to share. If you well, know. It's, well, that's well, we, we do it. We've been waiting. We've been waiting. Uh, we finally get around to the real yeah. topic here. Yeah. Right. So, yeah. Tell us about that. So Lehman Brothers success up in this piece. Lehman Brothers had um, <laughs> Lehman Brothers had uh, been the banker when we took the company public, and they had been involved over the years in various projects and so forth, and. Um, during, uh, I was a CFO, and it was like 2007, and one of our big verticals was financial services. Yeah. And um, uh, in the fourth quarter of the fall of 2007, a couple of deals disappeared out of nowhere. One was with uh, Bank of America, and one was with Visa. And they disappeared in retrospect because the world was coming unglued. Yeah. Nobody knew it at the yeah, time, right. at the end of 07, yeah. but that was clearly yeah, what was well, happening. You were too early. So I pre-announced in January, because we were a little light on our targets, and um, it kind of put the company in play. And one of our competitors in Europe kind of made a little bit of a bear hug offer. 
and their bankers were based in London. What kind of numbers are you talking about? Um, uh, Several hundred million? Yeah. Okay. Um, and What was uh, the IPO? What did they come out with the IPO with? I think the IPO was... Don't quote me on this, but I think it was in the ballpark of 162. Well, people that are listening will just ignore this. <laughs> exactly. 60, 162 million, I think, was the IPO yeah. um, 10, 10 years so earlier. So made a few dollars. Yeah. yeah. So, so it's all good. And, and um, <laughs> so the, they got a little bit of a bear hug. And what happened was their bankers were based in London. and they, they Was le- Lehman still involved? Lehman was well. No, we hadn't even hired Lehman yet because oh. I'm still getting to the setup. Give me, give me a minute to get the setup going, Mick. I like to rush things. So we, so so right. So we we miss our quarter. We get a bear hug from a competitor. There they have bankers. The bankers leak in London about the deal, and the Irish. It's not like my dog business leaking. press and the and the London business press are basically the same. So the yeah. leak goes to Ireland yeah. to Dublin, Ireland immediately, and the Irish regulators require us to make what they call a market leveling announcement. Oh, that's. Smart. So we did. We we called Lehman and said we got a little situation here, and we did the the classic um, reviewing our strategic alternatives announcement, and uh, all hell broke loose, right? And so a lot. Of, we ended up with a whole bunch of strategic and an even more financial people looking at the company. We were you know absolutely in play, and it was a whole whole process. And, and is the price going down every day? Oh no! It was it was it was going up, I guess, in okay. the sense that there was more competition. So this original um, oh, bidder good. had um, this original they bidder kind of had kicked, kicked off a process, right? Oh, yeah. yeah, it wasn't good that it leaked, but they would have had had an exclusive. But we would have run a process Not anyway. Something like a failure. And um, well, so it gets back. Uh, get, it, hang in there. I'll get no, to the, I'll get to the failure part. So, uh, so anyway, that was a big. It was a big. It was a big process. Ultimately, the acquirer of the company had to sue to get into the deal because they were a close competitor, and we thought they were on a fishing expedition. We didn't yeah. want to show them all the diligence, so they sued us in Ireland. Oh. even though they're based in Bedf- what Bedford. Well, that that. Um, I can't remember the grounds, but it was it was essentially that um, they were being discriminated against. We wouldn't let them into the deal, and they had you know they had a right to to look at to oh. look at the rest of the diligence, whatever. So sounds like a lawyer thing. Yeah. So so yeah, they lawyers. end up getting, and they ultimately won, bought the company, but. Um, oh. The uh, so the process you know goes on and um, this is this is like you know January February we start to lose quota carrying salespeople things are getting kind of ugly then Bear Stearns remember the two dollar bill on the door of Bear Stearns gets sold for two dollars a share they they was in a a shotgun wedding. Oh yes, yes. So yes, we're yes. now in yep, March, yep. and like we're now we have a 150-page PowerPoint, and we're presenting it to all these things and qualifying the bidders down, and then um, we get in. I think it was our proxy was about 290 pages long, and we filed that, and we started to narrow down to a, a smaller number in May. We filed the proxy. This is 2008 by now. Yeah, in June. Ooh, the shit's about to hit the fan. And you know, here we are with a proxy on file, and we've got a potential deal in the making, and Countrywide gets into. Trouble, oh, right? Yeah, and then AIG right. is like, oh, maybe ten billion short. And then the next day, it's like, Oops. well, maybe it's more like twenty billion. And then ultimately, got up to about eighty billion. All yeah, the Lehman's starting to go on the respirator. <laughs> all of the and all of the year, year, that's that's yeah. actually dramatic yeah. foreshadowing, Mick. Yeah. So well, that you're you're on the right track. Yeah. Interesting. So. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, AIG, and then all the auction rate securities dried up, and about a third of the companies. Cash was in ARSs, and um, 
we were sort of saying to Lehman, like, is everything okay? We're hearing bad things about Lehman. You know, these, okay. uh, what is it? Yeah. Um, Everything's fine. Third, uh, what were they? Uh, <laughs> collateral obligations, third party. Oh, yes, plus, yep, yep, yep. CDOs. And, um, and they're like, oh, yeah, everything's good. Everything's good. And so, you know, everything's I, good. Why? I go to the, um, I go to the shareholder meeting in, um, Dublin in August and uh, to get the deal approved and it was an emotional thing because they were like the first company in Ireland to go public on NASDAQ and a lot of pensions and farmers and everybody was Ooh. was involved in this company I get the thing done I come back to um, Boston we close the deal I think it was the second Friday in September like the 12th 11th Ooh. or 12th and close the deal and Lehman Brothers goes bankrupt the next morning wow and that was the weekend where Barney Frank said this country was committed to free market principles yeah. for two days, right? Because right. they let Lehman fail and then they bailed something out on Tuesday. <laughs> but, but anyway, so, so I, how does that affect? How did that affect this? It didn't really. Yeah, because I mean, it was just they, they were the check cleared for you guys. Yeah, yeah. I think technically yeah. the trustee might have had possession of the account when the fee hit. Yeah, um, and I. But think, that doesn't affect you. No. And I, just I, I just think I have the distinction of being the last CFO to ever do an M&A transaction with, with Lehman them. Brothers. Yeah. So, wow. okay. So then what happened? So they're acquired. Your company's acquired. So Lehman, by Lehman melted down. Our gone. company was yeah. acquired. And and, um, and uh, they went on to How was your parachute? integrate the merger. It was pretty, I wouldn't be sitting here right now, and I wouldn't know you, and I wouldn't have joined your angel yeah. group if it wasn't pretty good. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. That's that's the answer to that question, but uh, so I didn't really stick around. In fact, I walked out of there, sort of saying I want to take a break because I had two young kids, and yep. it had been a pretty grueling. I had technically kept the GC job yep. in addition to the CFO responsibilities, and and I, and I, it required a lot of commuting to Ireland and stuff. And I had yep. two young kids, so I just wanted to do something a little different, and I was just going to take the year of two thousand and nine off. Yeah, probably and I ended up to do that. getting mixed up with this guy and getting into the angel scene and just sort of thought, I think there's something I'd like to so do. So we, we, you, you he was foreshadowing a respirator comment or something. Did well, somebody go on a respirator? No, it was Lehman. Lehman Brothers, you know, melting oh, I wasn't down. sure if there was any more drama. I just wanted no, to No, it was just sure the, fact, the, that fact that, uh, the fact that we closed on a Friday and our bank went bankrupt the next morning. Oops. Hmm. It really was a sign of the times. Yeah. So that is amazing. So again, we, we now have had success, success, success. What have you done where it's been a massive f up? Well, well I, I was if anything. I was trying to. Well, I was trying to think about it. Well, I think the I I I, I was Maybe talking to this podcast. And I'm was, not penalizing, by the way. No, yeah, I, I was I talking to my wife about this, and we were trying to come up with. With, um, I mean, if, you know, there's daily and weekly failures. My wife failures. can find all kinds of places. Where <laughs> well, I knew, I, I knew that was the right place to go, right? So I obviously went to my spouse, but yeah. um, and 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 there's so many so many little ones you lose track of them all. But I was trying to think about what's the what's the biggest failure, yeah. the most cosmic failure I've ever oh, yeah. been near. Ooh. And it had to have been a $350 million acquisition that oh, that company did that um, midway through my time there. Yep. And, and it was sort of, um, it was kind of the, the, the 
tail end of the go-go years yeah. of the dot-com era. And, uh, so this was 2006-ish? Yeah, no, it would have been earlier than that. It would have been before. I think it would have been 2002. Oh, was really? There, early. Was there good stuff like misrepresentations? It, yeah, it really falsified. was. I mean, it was it was a disaster. They basically, there it was. The, these were this was the era of sort of the loosey-goosey on the RevRec and the round-trip deals where I'll license software uh, from you and you license from me and we'll both record yeah, revenue yeah. and all kinds of sketchy stuff. Mm. And... You know, write those down. I like those. No, yeah, <laughs> those but I thought that had happened ten years earlier. Uh, yeah, no. Well, the Oracle got busted. That was. Yeah. I think that was. Well, Kevin Store Research. I was doing work with. Yeah. I thought they did the same thing in '95. Well, that's right? what um, statement of position uh, SOP 97-2. It was 1997. That okay. was the accounting one about software ah. revenue recognition, okay. yep, and that yep, was yep, yep. because of Oracle okay. in the late 90s. But in any event, there were still shenanigans going on, and the accountants weren't really so. So it was just a it was a crazy overheated time, and we sort of felt like we had a strategic mandate to sort of add a piece to our story. Yeah. And there was which means another business. And there was this high flying, you know, um, Silicon Valley hot company that was all the buzz and. It just became something that got deal momentum and it had to be done. And in retrospect, there were a lot of warning signs, but everybody wanted to do the deal and the deal the deal ended up getting done. And when, when we we looked at it, it was just a horribly run company with it with grossly overstated revenues. The contracts were to the extent there even were were in a shoebox and Who were um, the auditors. Uh, <laughs> a big, a big four firm yeah, that's still I'm in sure. business now. So it's a public record. Like people who really care can look it up. But I'm not going to name names. Um, the partners are based in Ireland. What's the one that's in the news now? In this, it's still in the news now because the lawsuit's going. It's um, the. It wasn't compact. Was it a compact acquisition? Um, who took on the? A woman CEO was it Compact who took on a woman CEO? They made an acquisition of. Oh, you're talking about yeah. The um, it began with an A. It was you no know, Hewlett Packard. I want to say and I, I want to say Accenture, but it's not. No, Accenture. and it it's, was um, what the heck was the name of that firm? Yeah. last week. Yeah, yeah was it ago. was it back in the days? Yeah, because there's the lawsuit still going. Yeah, on. it was um, no was Mark Hurd was the yes, ex-Oracle guy. Yes, he was the CEO, yeah, and yes, and they bought this company that began uh, with an A. And I Axiom? No. no, 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 no. And it and it was and there was a gross overstatement of revenue. But that and, looked like a lot of finger pointing post facto. Yeah, it looks like yeah. it was not a great purchase. But. Yeah, I mean this this was one of these ones where it didn't didn't produce lawsuits, but it, uh, it could have. I mean, we basically just. You know, bought a pig and a poke, and it was a disaster. And the closer when we tried to integrate, I mean, basically the thing was a write-off. The three hundred and fifty million dollar price tag was actually um, calculated based on a share price. Was we paid in a lot of stock, yep. and and uh, the shit hit the fan shortly afterwards. So the right. deal the deal shrank anyway. Yeah, right. Didn't matter. Uh, but but the you know there were there were all kinds of latent HR problems and 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 operational problems and customer promises and it was just it was just a disaster. The latent so, HR problems are, are pre Me Too Me Too problems. Yeah. Okay. So I mean that was by far the biggest failure. Sounds I like ever. early days of Uber. Yeah. yeah. So what yeah. Did, uh, what would you learn? What did you learn from that? Well, I mean, I think I, I think it, I learned a lot From about I learned a lot about um, deal momentum, and I uh, learned I learned yeah. a lot about how um, sometimes M and A is more about press releases and and yeah. stories and dealing with analysts and the Wall Street and less about is angel is angel investing any different? Um, yeah, I think so because because you I don't think have there as isn't much information. Is the problem? Well, that's that, which that's is very good news, bad news. That's actually true. That's that's a good point. But I think the 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 key distinction is the moral hazard issue. 
it's my own money and yeah. I'm not I'm not using OPM other people's money right and I'm not um, trying to snow Wall Street every quarter I, ultimately I have to right. answer to myself for right. my performance right. and wife, yeah. or to my spouse or yeah. whatever and and so um, there's an element of um, well, I was I was going to say show personship, but it's probably accurate yeah. to say showmanship yeah, right. um, in in some of the corporate M and A you see, where people are just trying to get a story or get some distract or get some buzz or or just brand engineer. And I think um, I I learned a, a lot of lessons in terms of diligence and and where bodies are buried and how to think about it. We did a lot of acquisitions at that company and I learned a ton about how to really look what to look for. What do you look for? Well, a lot of a lot of the diligence that's that's kind of boring, the legal diligence like um, controls and um, minute books and and looking through customer contracts and looking at the HR policies. A lot of that stuff isn't very sexy, but it contains a lot of flags when you start to find Irregularities and gaps and or, problems or lack there. of or la- or lack of it that that can be a that can be a signal of bigger management problems elsewhere. Wait a minute, but I would think that the customer contracts or the contracts would be one thing because that represents yeah. ongoing revenue. Mm-hmm. The other stuff seems like it's a, not a fait accompli, but it, it almost doesn't matter. That is, if it's in the past. It's in well, the past. What, I'm, what I'm talking about is a, is is when you when you find a company with a million examples of small lack yeah. of control, lack yeah. of follow through, lack of professionalism. Yeah. That's a pretty uh, good indication that there's going to be other problems. For example, it came to light afterwards that um, this the guy ran running this company was paying was paying five thousand dollar bonuses he'd go in on a weekend and if he saw anybody at work on the weekend he would give them a bonus like yeah. just throwing money away um, you know venture capital money and and so the culture was everybody went into the office in, in their pajamas on weekends and sat around eating the free snack food that uh, the company put out and the then none of them were, none <laughs> of them were doing anything and they were all unhappy and they were all complaining about it behind the back but they were happy to, to take the bonus you know and and there were just you know we asked about the hiring process and, and management training there wasn't any you know and of course it turns out they'd hired a bunch of C players you know and so sort of understanding mm, how to how to look for things that might indicate problems. How controlling would you say that? I mean, how determinative would that be of a deal if you had very little go on, relatively little time for an acquisition? Would how much would you know, let me equate this with something, which is my neighbor who's in um, uh, landscaping says, don't ever hire a vendor who's got a messy truck. Mm-hmm. Because they, and it's actually, what's his face, the, uh, who, the chef who died, who said, don't eat at a restaurant where the restrooms are dirty because they can't get the restroom clean. Yeah. Well, how's the kitchen? Oh, Bourdain. Yeah. Anthony Bourdain. Bourdain, yeah. Well, so it's so, all the know, same. I, so, I, like, yeah. I like this. Let me, let me kind of yeah, stand, them on, yeah. stand on your shoulders. Yeah. Because we've got two angels here. Sorry to hit the mic. We have two angels here. I'm on the board of a company. We're not going to go into that, but... I, I always tell them to do get all the right Don't controls. Don't you have something to do with MIT? Oh, yeah, that's yeah right. I do. We can talk about that, that in and my <laughs> leadership position on yeah, many, yeah. many great committees. Yes. Yeah. So, okay, we've so two angels from two different groups here. Uh, uh, what do you want to look at from a, an angel, potential angel investment? What kinds of controls? What do you want to see that would kind of make you get out the checkbook? I, the controls aren't the right. That's not the right kind of company. But do you, I mean, do you want to see like a if the guy comes in and DD and said and due diligence and says here's my customer contracts, here's my HR policy, here's my this, and just kind of volunteers up the the book, is that a positive, a negative, or do you think that's window dressing? 
or should they all be doing that? Um, it's yeah, yeah, maybe necessary, but not sufficient. Okay. It would be kind of the category to fall into. I mean, it depends a little bit on what, what you're buying, right? So when you're talking about um, the, those our HR controls and, yeah. and hiring process, is that yeah. well? If I'm if I'm really interested in buying you have the to have team, more than one employee, if you have HR. All right, so you're seeing you're seeing things. Early. If I'm buying the team, you know uh, that matters a fair amount. But if I'm if I'm really just trying to buy the technology, all I care about is whether the engineers are good and everybody else is going to get laid off. Right. So was the analogy to the? I know we're mixing stuff up, but was the analogy to the the truck? Um, what you were looking for. In other words, if the truck or the or the restroom is dirty, the truck is banged up and the restroom's dirty, this business may have problems. Is that the analogy or is that not really, really Yeah, I mean, I, really think, I, I think to me what it, what, it, what it taught me was not everything is, is the way it seems. And all of the problems I spent two years cleaning up as the lawyer, right, in the company, in retrospect, were inferable from data we saw and overlooked. But that doesn't necessarily mean it's a bad deal. That just means there's 10% lost off the top. Or, or, or they're just sloppy, which yeah. is indicative of But you're suggesting much else. more than that. Well, I mean, I think I think the company mushroomed, I don't know, I don't remember how many employees they had. We had 1,300 employees after doing that deal. And I think within five years, there were only three or four employees from that company left. Wow. Maybe it was six years, but I mean, basically. Do uh, the math, David. How much does that cost? Three hundred fifty million cost per employee. Yeah, <laughs> that's yeah. a lot. So it was a pretty crappy, you know, group of of, uh, that's of people yeah. and product and business. And so it taught me a lesson. But you know, um, I guess you know the, the answer to your question about angel investing. And I, Mick, Mick might agree with you on this. Is that probably relatively rare situation where controls like that really matter probably in the life sciences area where you're looking at the quality of the studies and the quality of the data um, controls will be really important right. and when you're talking about a company that's going to have a really uh, the IP portfolio is going to really so matter well looking at the engineers notebooks and that kind of process right. probably matters but at the stage that we invest controls are rarely even a thing in many cases we still have big holes on the org so, chart that so we're you're looking at vision slides not yeah you know that, process that's, a, that's probably most fair. these companies are pre-revenue if you don't have right. any revenue yeah. it's really hard to hire staffing for all those different functions yeah. that's true and yeah. so you know again if you're looking at a revenue bracing company or a company's got a track record that's a whole different story yeah, you have right. to do a lot more uh, due diligence yeah uh, and christopher and i probably do disagree on how much due diligence needs to be done with companies what, what side do you fall on i think Nick? little or none because the companies all pivot so you've done a whole lot of work going over this direction. Whoops, he did a pivot over but here. But are you doing due diligence then on the team, on the Absolutely. concept? But, on but, the team, but the other stuff, the, yeah, the model, you don't care about. Well, we care about everything. We'd like to see, you know, bulletproof, uh, you know, IP. Right. You know, a, a beautiful team, well put together. Well, right. We don't see those companies. They don't get to us. They've gone someplace else. Right. So it's the angel investment, you know, it, early stage has all kinds of different meanings to other people. Right. But we're generally looking at pre-revenue companies. Okay. And so if... Do you disagree? Oh, let's hear it. Well, he's he's That's moving. It. He's moving to a new direction. Who's What direction? What are you well, talking? you're moving upstream on companies as far as... Well, yeah, like. so let's talk about that. So you're at Launchpad. I knew I had some... I don't know if I agree with that characterization, but no, I mean, I, 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 I agree Food with... Food fight. I agree with much of what Mick said, okay. and I, I have a tremendous respect for Mick. He's a, he's a very good man. You're, and You're I, the one... And, and I think it is absolutely true that um, 
a lot of diligence is wasted. I mean, we're, we, these companies are really early and they change a lot. And, and so I, I tend to take a different view of diligence, um, which is that, uh, first of all, spending, you can't spend enough time with the team because the team matters a lot. So we put a ton of effort into that. But understanding the market Understanding the key assumptions of the deal, where the, you know, who, the competitive landscape, um, whether or not the technology can be done. Mm-hmm. So, for example, uh, if the if the company's thesis is uh, that they can build a better chip or they can build a better polymer or something, you know, understanding whether that science is sound, I think that's time well spent. But mix mix correct that you you can't engineer the risk out of these deals. Right. You don't get to own twenty or twenty five percent of the company. Um, if the company's perfect, these companies are early. They're they have hair all over them. They're a mess, right? right. So, and that goes goes with the territory. But um, it's to me, diligence is about finding the really obvious things. You don't get rid of all the risks, but you get the obvious ones where, which if you had known at the time, you wouldn't have invested. Mm-hmm. That's what diligence is about <laughs> for me. Mm-hmm. And I think okay. it's kind of it's pretty. Uh, and I wouldn't disagree with him either. So you were okay. looking at your list. You had you. I saw you looking down when you weren't going to tell us time and temperature, but uh, you were going to do something with that list that you prepared. Well, I, I, you know, what I, did you see I, on I, there that you would least, have talked about? Out of, out of forty-eight podcasts, this is the first one where somebody came and prepared. I, no, no, no. Um, our friend, the doctor, did remember. Remember the um, which one? The, Epstein, well, Andy Epstein. Oh yeah, prepared. oh yeah. That's and right. we would not let him pick his notes up. Well, I don't need my notes. I mean, I, I didn't. Uh, my list Those is are being, jokes. I hope we really. Like yeah, jokes. exactly. My list is getting more. Jokes. I, I brought. I, like the pizza I brought some notes on some good failure stories, and I have a few uh, thoughts on some angel uh, failures. And, and take it away. You have an open yeah. mic. We're listening. Yeah. So, so I'll tell you one. I'll tell you one funny angel okay, story, which that. was actually it was one of your deals, um, and it was this was uh, this was uh, this was sort of or a Mike. little tiny victory amidst big defeat. Um, <laughs> Really liked this kid a lot. He had a, he was putting together a bunch of best of breed tools into a package to help um, groups like the drama club or the soccer oh, club yeah, at yeah. college, you yeah. know, yeah. Um, coordinate. And so there was chat and there was yeah. video conferencing and there was bulletin boards. And he was he was he had a lot of chutzpah. He he ended up getting a a deal with Cornell University because he was chalking their sidewalks to such an extent that the administration was complaining it was guerrilla marketing. Marketing and they yeah, were putting yeah. the logo. They paid kids to put the logo everywhere. That's brilliant. And finally, the dean called him in and said, "What do I need to do yeah, to stop the, You know, graduation yeah. is in a few rainstorms yeah. away from yeah. now. Yeah. You know, <laughs> I gotta, I gotta get yeah. this campus cleaned up. What's it gonna take?" Yeah. And the kid basically said, "I need a deal from Cornell, or Good. I'm gonna, I'm gonna keep doing this." Perfect. But anyway, so. It, it, it was, he had a lot of, Smart. you remember this kid, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't want to name him, and I don't want to name the company, but in any event, it turned out that, it turned I out. I him the chalk. <laughs> he was a great That's kid. A great I liked idea. him a ton, and, and um, it just turned out that there wasn't enough margin, really, the yeah. cost of acquiring customers for a yeah. relatively undifferentiated. And all those services are available for free for yeah. some yeah. 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 You can't yeah. compete. Like Slack for clubs. You can't compete with free, and so, you know, yeah. you just didn't, acquiring anything spent acquiring customers too much, given given its margins. So, so the company the company failed, and... Um, and I had been having that. a, I had been having trouble trying to reconcile my checkbook, my angel checkbook, for a while. I didn't really think much about it. I hadn't really devoted any time to it. But um, I'd, I'd forget. I, I'd, I'd written four checks into the company um, 
over over the years and uh, and had an expectation of how much I had and long story and then I had just written it all off. The yeah, company of failed. I wrote wrote the whole thing off. And he called to make the rounds of all the shareholders sort right. of to apologize yeah. and, and kind of maybe do some networking or whatever, find another job. <laughs> and in the course of this conversation, you know, I said something to the effect, I forget how much I put in. I had like 40 grand or so. It wasn't a ton of money, but, you know, in angel terms. But it was you know, more than you'd like to lose. And um, I made some reference, or he made a reference, and the amount was different. Mm. And and it became clear to me in, in talking about him that he thought I had put in less than I did. Yeah. <laughs> and huh. so I didn't, I didn't say anything. Yeah. And then I, I went back that and checked. Long, long story short, he had not cashed two of the four oh, checks. Oh, oh, the company oh, oh. was so poorly organized <laughs> that the this loss was cut in half. Oh, this is good. Now oh, tell, wow. them you, tell them what you did with that information. You started a company to keep track of those. <laughs> oh, is that true? Well, actually, actually, that that doesn't help companies. It helps investors. But but yeah, it was it was good. here. I was thinking I was yeah. writing writing yeah, a whole yeah. investment off. So and you, you were losing company forty, was but you so lost twenty. So disorgnized, oh, I ran great. and put stop so you payments made money on. That day. I made money that day. So that that was a little bit of a that was a little bit of a that's great a little mini did, victory. Does the kid know that? And did, I, I never Don't told him. I never told him. <laughs> it, didn't, it didn't matter. Hope he's not a listener. Okay. It didn't matter oh, in the end. Yeah. Yeah. Like it was low. But anyway, so that's that, that was pretty awesome. That's, that's a great funny. story. Yeah, I love. I, love I lost. Well, I lost less. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What else do you have on your list? Well, um, other other things that are, I mean, I have a bunch of lessons that, that we sort of organized, but uh, I, I'll tell you a couple. We had a, you know, one of the things is team matters a lot. Um, and I think you might have been invested in this too, Mick. Uh, unbelievable CEO, a science-driven company. Um, she was doing... Um, she was trying to develop a, a drug and it had a novel way of man, being manufactured. And um, th this was a, probably the best CEO I've ever worked with. I mean, she's just phenomenal. She had a couple hundred shareholders and she used to be really, really good about monthly updates and everything about it was awesome and we all lost everything anyway. Yeah. She raised 20 million bucks and it went down the toilet and didn't matter how good the team was, if the science and the Timing isn't right. It's not going to save you. So that was a that was no. a definite. Lesson. I think we tried to get her for this podcast, and we won't name names. Yeah, I think she, I know who that she'd is. be a great guest. I haven't yeah. talked to her in a while, but um, she was she was a terrific. Actually, yeah. has is, that been, the, is that the one I know that I spoke know. for me at a couple of things? I don't know, but indicated that she was willing to talk, but not right now. Yeah, she's she's yeah. she's good she's people, and, good. and she just yes. was a terrific fundraiser and yeah. a terrific yep. Yep. Um, exactly investor manager. <laughs> and I think she did a really really good job yep. with the company. But if the science just, ain't yeah, there, it work. doesn't it doesn't matter. Okay, so that's kind of like you know again, you guys bet on the horse, the jockey. I always say that you guys are at the point where you bet on the horses, the jockeys, the racetrack, and the vendors selling popcorn <laughs> at this point. So it's not not a, not as it was 25, 30 years ago. Would that be a true statement? Yeah, I mean, I think I'm following you, and and um, I, I one of the one of the things one of the hallmarks of our diligence is um, the the section in the report that we call the what needs to be believed, <laughs> and we try to spend time forcing ourselves to actually reckon oh, with yeah, the assumptions that you're making, like. Right. 
you need to believe that this chip can be made for three cents per chip. You need to believe that this company can acquire these customers. You need to believe that um, the competitive response is not going to crush the company. Whatever the key assumptions. Right. And what does that bring you to? Because in the end, there, that, there's always a, there's that's risk to, mitigation. Yeah. Well, well, what it brings you yeah, to right. is 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 if you if you can't believe those things, you, you probably shouldn't invest in this deal. No, but doesn't I'm thinking back to a company that I think I can talk about it now, Redigi, which a number of us invested in, and it yeah. hurts it hurts yeah. me severely. But, know, but yeah. I didn't talk. About but the question is, so Redigi is a company I know that it well. uh, recycled I digital media. Wouldn't have touched it with a 10-foot pole. No, no, well, <laughs> what you guys well, were we, thinking All the tech guys said that, but <laughs> we, we had a good run. No, no, yeah, I, I think several of us were in it. And um, I guess the question is, you could have, part of the reason you'd have to, when you came up with, what would you call the things you have to believe? Yeah, what needs to be believed. But yeah. what needs to be believed, I think those are what made it a revolutionary new con- company mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and had it made it past certain hurdles mm-hmm. that you could have guessed or not guessed. Mm-hmm. Then it could have been phenomenal, isn't that true? Of like, what would you like take Uber, which I think is a, actually it's hard to know if it's a good company, or take uh, WeWork. Is, is that a good company? And what would you it, have to believe? It's magnitude versus probability on some level, right? I yeah. Mean, some of the what needs to be believed are small execution items, and some of them are revolutionary, right? But isn't it isn't for the ones that are the uh, what do you call the unicorns? Isn't it always the what needs to be believed is almost unbelievable? But that's why it's just such a big well, potential hit. I've heard it said that. That uh, there's a sort of a uh, maximum in venture okay. capital yeah. that if everybody in the room thinks it's a terrible deal, it's probably it's a terrible great. deal. Oh, and okay. if everybody in the room thinks it's a great deal, it's probably a, a terrible, terrible deal. deal. Yeah. But if they fight like hell about it, right, then it's a good deal because oh, really? all great ideas. Okay. Yeah. Sound crazy yeah, yeah, at first, correct. right? Yes, yeah. And that's right. what really what right. you're talking yeah. about, right? right. It's, a, it's a, if if it isn't sufficiently challenging, yeah. it's not gonna have a big enough impact. So we have a few aphorisms we've learned about. The clean truck theory. Aphorism, wow. You like that? I the, we have the clean truck theory, the, the clean bathroom theory, yeah. and the everybody better fight in the room theory. See, I, I feel like I just I'm took your money and bought a new truck. How does that work? <laughs> <laughs> so I do, so we're gonna wrap this up, but you're not gonna intervene, nor are you, nor am I. So Did I mention that I'm the chair oh, of the God, God, God. Connected Things <laughs> uh, event and conference at MIT in so March 2020? The challenge on this, Christopher, is figuring out what we talked about. Because we have to summarize this in a blur. That's, That's how we get our SEO. Okay. So summarize this, enti- this last hour, roughly. What, what, what did we learn? Mark would have asked that if he thought of it. You can edit the silence out while I. No, we never do that. I, we'll just I have think. the music come. The music's going in the and music's out. It's swelling. We'll, starting. We'll, we'll have a mark it's dramatic. Yeah. Well, but it I, better be good. Not the, no pressure, <laughs> but but it's got to be a good line. I yeah. think I think Mick and I would agree, that in the, and you to the extent you're an angel, although yeah. you're a lawyer, you're also trained to avoid risk. But yeah. uh, failure is not to be feared. Um, no. Without risk, you can't accomplish anything. Yep. Um, and that often a tremendous amount of good comes out of uh, comes out of failure. Yeah. Um, I think that I love the old saying: if you're not falling down, you're not skiing hard enough. Right? Yeah, no, so right. there's something to be to be said there. I also think that. Um, um, we didn't get into it too much in this podcast, but you know, uh, creating a culture where people are afraid to admit mistakes and afraid to um, uh, you know tr- try things out, yep. uh, admit de- admit defeat is, is is a bad idea. It's not a culture that's going to foster innovation and and forward progress. Um, and uh, I think another another thing that was sort of implicit in some of this is having a sense of humor about failure. Mm, yeah. Um, yeah. 
And, God knows we've been trying. Yeah. yeah. But, you know, yeah. just being yeah. able to learn from it and, and accept it's defeat. Laughter through the tears is that yeah. kind of the thing. Yeah. So know. it sounds like the, the closing soundtrack will be Don't Fear the Reaper <laughs> by Blue Oyster Cult, I think. Yeah. That's the yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I think, I think that might be your blurb since... You really didn't care what he was saying. You just wanted someone else to write the blurb. I was for just you. trying to fill an hour. I, I, I have one. I have <laughs> yeah. one more really good fa- failure story that maybe you can edit into the middle and pretend it was in the middle. But um, <laughs> I was thinking about just like what are the greatest sort of personal failure stories ever. And one, uh, one. This was just a, a story I love. When my dad was in medical school, um, he was stressing out, uh, and it was it was really hard. And he had a biochemistry class that was just going to beat him. It was the toughest class he'd ever taken. And he gets into the exam and he takes a look at, um, it was a super, super, I think it was like an, he had to write the equation for a metabolizing some organic compound. It's like really, really, he looked at, he knew he had absolutely no idea and he was going to fail the exam. And he thought, well, I got out of bed. I brushed my teeth. I might as well mess around with a little bit. So he looked at the bottom of the page, the, the result products, right? And so he sort of worked backwards a little bit from yep. there. And then he looked at the starting things. And he said, well, obviously, this has to break down into this and this. And he messed around there. And then he went to the bottom. And he did the... He did the best he could to, to, to capture the equation, knowing perfectly yeah, well that he had yeah. just flunked out of medical school. He his way through it, yeah. You know, and he, 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 he was quite certain that he flunked out of medical school and he went home for a Christmas break or whatever, very glum. And uh, when he went back uh, into the class and they got the, the test back, uh, the professor had uh, written on this failing test an equal sign in the middle of the page, the gap yep. that he'd left, yep. and a 99 on the top oh. because he'd forgotten the equal sign. He didn't even realize oh. it, but he'd actually he managed to he'd actually managed to capture the equation and didn't even know it. Oh, so what that's what, what's the take home for that? What so that's fail, that's success that looked like failure at the there time. You got to keep yeah. trying. You got to keep. I love that.